Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. are a strike away from franchise history and some World Series history as Hudson tries to close it out. It'll be another 3-2 pitch to Michael Brantley. Hudson sets the kick and here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! The celebration is on! The Washington Nationals are the world Hey, everybody. Welcome into the latest episode of Half Street High Heat. Thank you, as always, for joining us. I am your host, Amanda White, and you can find me on Twitter at awhite7877. You can find my vainglorious co-hosts at the at DC Natchak account, Ryan and Nick. And you can find the show at Half Street High Heat. And I would like to take this moment to point out, for those of you who've been living under a rock, that the at DC Natchak account just won the best Nats Twitter account. So for what that's worth, which is nothing but clout. Congrats to you guys. That's yeah, awesome. I mean, thank you for this, your service. Yep, thank you to <laughs> everyone who went out and voted. Um, we couldn't do it without you. We all knew this was inevitable, but uh, it's just great. You know, we are, we love you guys. And, and, and credit yeah. where credit awesome, is due. Awesome. I mean, Amanda gave us that great intro, and we have to point out that Amanda is really the only good thing about this show. So credit to you, Amanda. <laughs> According for being, to a rando on Twitter. Who, yeah, who yeah it, for, for holding this podcast above water. I mean, all credit to you. Aw, <laughs> uh, thanks, guys. Thanks. That's awfully nice of you. So what's new? We are doing our final Half Street High Heat of the year. What a year it was. Holy moly. <clears throat> what a freaking year to start the podcast. I mean, right? wait, not, not even of the year, of the decade. The decade. Of the decade. <laughs> that's right. Unless you count decades correctly, in which case it's next year, but that's fine. We won't, we won't get into that because we're doing our whole show about the decade stuff. Is it? <laughs> wait, what? No, because Ember, is a decade from zero to nine, zero to nine or one? No, to a decade should be from one to the, it should be from one to 10. That's how people count. People don't no, count. No, it's zero from zero to nine. to nine. Anyway, 
we're doing our entire best of the decade show, so we're going to go with Kathleen moment. correctly. We're, well, no, we're in like mind we're blown. In the, we're in the teens right now. Next year is going to be the twenties. We're going to be in the roaring twenties. Right. I would yeah. le lean zero to nine, but you could sway me the other way. <laughs> I mean, I can't. I, I'm like I, a, I I'm like a feather in the wind. You can blow me right. any direction. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on right now. My life is a lie. <laughs> I, I'm adopted. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Okay, so... We're going to do, we're calling this our Decade in Review show. So before we do our Decade in Review, let's go with our Week in Review. Ryan, hook us up. Yes, it is a Festivus for the rest of us, uh, for those who don't know. Happy December wow. 23rd. Um, those but, bars. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I, I <laughs> and Happy you. Hanukkah. Tonight is the first night of Hanukkah, uh, I believe. Happy Hanukkah. It, it is, it is first night of Hanukkah. Um, shout out Jerry Seinfeld for the greatest holiday of all time, Festivus. But, all right, the weekend review. Uh, Major League Baseball sees its 17th straight year of record revenue. The last three years, they've seen over 10-plus billion. This year, they made $10.7 in revenue, and they are one of two leagues worldwide where the revenue eclipsed $10 billion. With such lucrative deals um, coming up with Fox, ESPN, and Nike, the revenue, again, will be record highs next year. Thanks to those companies and revenue sharing, all of those who just want games to be easier to attend and more affordable for families, you're in luck because the answer is still a big fat no because the owners are still rolling in the dough. MLB and the Major League Baseball Umpire Association have begun and the UA said they are open to an electronic strike zone even though the majority of players surveyed are not. Um, I am against this, but it is a great stepping stone to join the 21st century in a game that's pretty behind all the others and technology. And then not that many moves, but we dive right into them. Ian Kinsler announced that he is retiring. The Marlins signed Matt Kemp to a minor league contract with a camp invite. The Red Sox signed left-handed pitcher Martin Perez. The White Sox signed former Nat Gio Gonzalez. The Brewers signed Justin Smoke and Eric Sogard, rounding out the right side of their infield. The Cubs make a big move, and they sign Ryan Rapera. Uh, the Twins signed Tyler Clippert and Sergio Romo to finish up their bullpen. The Phillies signed Josh Harrison, what a fall from grace, to a minor league contract. The Tigers signed C.J. Crone and Jonathan Scope. I absolutely love when rebuilding teams. Just sign some veterans and realize, you know what? Yep. They're going to be uh, pretty good for us. It's pretty smart. And then the biggest move of the week, the White Sox people, they are going to be legit. They're just getting started. They signed Dallas Keuchel to a three-year, $55 million contract. Their rotation is pretty freaking good. They got young studs and some vets in there to help both of those geos in their rotation. And the Nationals signed Fernando Abad, who will join Abad bullpen. Um, so, yeah, that's just absolutely <laughs> great. And the Nationals reportedly have a four-year offer on the table for Josh Donaldson between 90 and $100 million, as do the Twins. Nats need to hope that Donaldson makes the decision pretty soon, as they're clearly waiting out Donaldson, Donaldson to fill out the rest of their roster. It is a dangerous game with the market moving pretty quickly, and unfortunately, a game they have to play. Let's hope that moves quick, because as it stands right now, the Nationals roster is not very good. And that is the Week in Review 
on this holiday week at the end of the decade. Boom. Boom. Do you guys notice how many former Nats there are on the White Sox now? I got a, I got a uh, whole bunch well, of them. Well, I mean, you have the trade for Giolito, Lopez, and Dunning, but who else? Right. Gio um, now. Gio. Gio. Yeah. Former Nat. I, I mean, the future West Nat, is... Jose Abreu. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> The Midwest is just lousy with former Nats. They got Clifford now out in Minnesota. Glad to see. I looked at his yeah. numbers after he signed because I Murphy hadn't thought about Clifford in a while. He had a pretty respectable year last year. He did. Um, he was slept on pretty hard last year. He was used right. He's kind of Who did he play the face for? of the earth. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember either. Was it somewhere out in California? I kind of want to say, like, the Angels or the Astros. There's no (laughs) in-between. One thing I want to talk about, (laughs) uh, Ryan, you touched on it, was um, the Tigers. uh, Obviously, they were, I think, the worst team in baseball last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And they're out here signing vets who yeah they don't move the needle but when you're a rebuilding team with zero reason to come to the ballpark uh i mean what harm could it do it's not like you're trying to save payroll when your payroll is only like 60 million or whatever and two-thirds of that is going to miguel cabrera um so like why not at the very worst they're going to be trade chips that you can just sell for prospects in July. So I love it when, when teams do this. I mean, the Tigers have like <laughs> zero hope for optimism. So why not <laughs> try to at least be somewhat competitive in like a otherwise honestly lackluster division? Like the Indians were like a game away from the uh, playoffs last year and they're selling. So, I mean, why, hell, why not? I yeah. love it. Like it makes baseball better. I mean, we saw the Marlins do it earlier in the off season. Now the Tigers are yeah. doing it. The Rangers are trying to trade for Nolan Arenado. Like it's smart. You're getting someone who fans know they'll come out, and then at the deadline, ship them off for some pretty good prospects. Your team just got better in both ways. I don't know. I hate the whole tanking. I'm like you can tank, but doing that, like, it makes it a little bit better because it kind of shows like, hey, we're still trying, but we know we're only going to win sixty games this year. Right. Yeah, it's not really tanking exactly, especially because tanking in baseball is such an ineffective tactic because it's just so yes. hit or miss on prospects. But yeah, I do. I like that. I like doing things that way too. It does. It keeps fans interested, which you know, I know it's a business, but the business only works if your fans care about your product. Yeah, they're spending money and actually coming to the games and all that stuff. So. Yep, yep. Okay, well, the next thing we're going to talk about is actually what I am most excited about. We are going to do our top favorite moments of the decade as NAS fans. So these are subjective, obviously. They're not going to be like these were the best ten moments that happened for the franchise because some of these are going to be franchise altering. Right, emphasis on favorite. So um, I'm sure some of us will have a lot of the same. I'm sure some of the moments will be the same for all of us, but I'm hoping we'll have some interesting ones that um, we don't share in common. So, um, Nick, do you want to start? Give us one of yours. Yep. Um, kind of, I mean, it, we're going favorite moments, and I, it's one of my favorite because I was there and Ryan was there too, and that's the Home Run Derby. Yep. Uh, I went to both yeah, the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game. Hey, All-Star see. Game was was cool, like, don't get me wrong, but the, there wasn't that one moment that just – 
lit up the stadium with electricity like every single batter during home run derby. It didn't matter who was yeah. hitting home runs. Obviously, Bryce being uh, with the Nats at the time, that, that certainly helped. But it, for even like Schwarber and uh, I can't think of the other lefties who we were in right fields, obviously. Uh, Muncie, yeah, yeah, Muncie. Muncie. And uh, all, the lefties, yeah. all the lefties moved on. It was amazing. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we were in right field. So obviously we were rooting for the lefties to move on because that's more home run opportunity for us. Um, but just every single pitch, there's pure electricity. And I mean, you've heard it. If you've been listening with us for a while, I mean, you've heard us mention, if you get an opportunity to go to a home run derby, like pay up and go to sit in the outfield and you will have the time of your life because it was just so electric. Even if Bryce wasn't in it, it still would have been one of my top moments. Cause I mean, it's Nats park. So technically it qualifies. It plays. Um, it, it was just so electric. I, and I know Ryan's planning on going to the next year in LA. <laughs> so it, that's like, that's, yeah, that's how awesome. good it was. That's how good it was. So I cannot recommend it enough. It's, Definitely like a, a once in a lifetime thing, but if you get the chance, definitely make the most of it and take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. I like was... if they have a derby around this area again, like if it's in Baltimore, or if it's in right, Philadelphia, yeah. like I'd go, I'd go out of my way to go up for the derby. And, and you know, you know, like the location, like about a year and a half in advance, so you can like plan it out ahead and, and like make a trip, trip of it. Like if you've never seen the ballpark or never been to the city, whatever it may be, like go make a trip of it, and, and like you can have some great experiences outside of the home run derby. But I guarantee you the home run derby is going to be like the pinnacle of your trip. Yeah. Yep. I agree. And like being okay. there. Like the balls come in freaking hot and fat. Like it, it is. It's kind of scary, not gonna lie. Because like you're looking, you got to be careful. <laughs> you're looking you up do. at one They're home run, and then the next thing you know, like you got another line drive coming at you. So like it's kind of scary. But just talking to people around you, because there's people who, like travel the country going to these things. It was just a really cool yeah. moment. Yeah, they're very thrilling, the Home Run Derby. There's few things in baseball. You know, you watch a baseball game, and if you're lucky, you get one really thrilling moment. The Home Run Derby is like thrilling moment after thrilling moment after thrilling moment. It's awesome. Yep. So if you ever oh, get a chance man. to do it, it, it it's great. do it. All right. Ryan, what you got? Yep. So I'm just going to start in order from, like, the beginning of the decade and work my way up. Um, so I'm going to start when – the first time the Nats became relevant in the national stage, it was a turning point for them. Um, June 8th, The worst signing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. I had to do it. <laughs> That's your last straw. Um, June 8th, 2010, when Steven Strasburg made his debut. Um, that was on my list, too. I, like, mm-hmm. I can't even remember like any pitcher who had that much hype. Like All the networks were there. They had the pregame coverage. It was just such a huge ordeal. And, like, it started off a little rocky, but, I mean, he lived up to it, and it was unreal, and the rest was history. And that was, like, the beginning of, like, hey, this team uh, may be relevant pretty soon for the Nats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an amazing moment. I still love, you know, when you listen to the games on the radio and they do that montage of radio calls before every game starts, and yeah. you hear that 14 strikeouts. Like, I still get chills every time I hear it. All these years later, I will never get tired of listening to that call. <laughs> That one was awesome. All yeah, right. Um, let's see. I'm going to go with 
Well, when Harper stole home after Cole Hamels hit him in his little welcome to the welcome to the big leagues rookie moment and thought he was being a badass and put him on first base and he wound up stealing home on him in that game, I was like, oh yes, wow. that was one of my just. We have two Harper moments in our first three. We just lost like seven hundred followers. I know. Well, how can you how can you talk about this decade in that history? It's it's got to be know. a lot about Harper. Well, you know, you don't, I you understand don't have to, to me. <laughs> I know, but a lot of people are bitter, and I get it. And that argument is for another day. But you can't talk about you know great Nats moments in the past right. ten years without Harper coming up in quite a few of them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I that mean, that was an awesome moment. I think everyone knows how we each feel about. Price and whatnot, but he, there's just so many like exciting moments with him, and like he for a while there embodied the the optimism we had in our team and like what we were capable of. Obviously, it never turned into anything, and that wasn't necessarily on him. That was manager and bullpen and plenty of other reasons that I don't really want to relive. Um, right, um, but he was like our hope there for a while. And there's just so many exciting moments in it. And to see it like pan out game one in such a unique way, like you don't really see people steal home anymore. So for no. him to do that, it, it, it was just, it was awesome. Like, I mean, was there's awesome. n no two ways around it. Like it was just awesome. So it was I mean, one of my first favorite Nats moments. There were obviously some earlier with right. them, but the teams were so bad for so long, you know, but that was one of my first really favorite awesome Nats moments. As it should be. All right, we uh, are back to you, Nick. What's your next one? Uh, so I'll I'll go a little bit more recent, and um, obviously I I still like Bryce. I I don't root for the Phillies, but I root for him as an individual. So I'll, I'll pivot to someone who I haven't been so kind to. <laughs> um, but that was this past uh, postseason. Obviously, plenty of uh, memorable moments in this postseason. But uh, I'm gonna go Zim's home run in the game one of the World Series. Hey, that was a um, because that was an awesome moment. It, it like you couldn't write it any better. And he didn't have the best World Series, but I mean, if you had like you could only pick like one thing to to happen for Zim. Um, outside of winning the World Series, obviously, but like one individual moment for Zim in the World Series, that's probably at the top of your list outside of like maybe a uh, like walk off to win the World Series or something. Like a home run game one against Garrett Cole when no one had us winning a game in Houston, let alone both games in Houston. Uh, and right. he, he was the one to start us off. Like it was just picture it's the first perfect home run in world series history for the nationals and that's another right. it, it felt first so run, yeah. perfectly poetic you know it was like of course it had to be ryan zimmerman who records yeah. the very first one you know it was it was just an awesome moment for sure yeah and and there was plenty of moments like his home run in the do, uh, three run home run in, in the dodger series and the nlds the the mm -hmm. sprawled out diving play uh to preserve the no hitter um in game 1 of the nlcs i think it was but like zim had plenty of his moments that nats fans just wanted him to to get to to uh to earn and whatnot so it was super cool but 
the the World Series home run. Obviously, it's the biggest stage, and it was his first at bat in the World Series. And I mean, I've had a rocky relationship with Zim over the years, but man, that just instant goosebumps and oh yeah, like, chills moment. Yeah, we were. Just, I was just talking about hope with with Bryce, and obviously he wasn't a part of this team, but I mean, that's what gave us hope in the World Series. It, it started with that, and it was awesome. It was awesome. All right, Ryan, what's your next one? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip around a little bit to one that was a little more exciting. Um, it was <laughs> in 2017. Damn. Backhanded insult, right there. <laughs> no, no, no. I meant because my first one was just like eh. no, it was a little bit more exciting. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I, I I meant from what I was going to do. I was not uh-huh. a shot at right. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Um, it was in 2017, Bryce's walk-off on Easter. Um, we were there. You know, yeah. I, I went, that was wow. an awesome moment. Versus the Phillies. I was there you know, yeah. with my whole family. I think he hit the home run in the seventh, either tied or take the lead. And then in the most typical Nats fashion, the bullpen blew it. And then he mm-hmm. hit the freaking bomb to straightaway center, the walk-off. He like went nuts. The Easter Bunny took out Teddy in the race. And it was just like, <laughs> again, like, always saw through like out the decade him doing his thing and like being there it was just pretty sweet it, it, that's a good one honorable mention is just like the constant uh bullying of bryce to uh julio tehran <laughs> there's so many moments where like they you saw the graphic of bryce's numbers against tehran and then bryce would do it again oh man that was like my favorite running thing yeah and, uh, honestly one of the biggest like tehran's not even with the braves anymore i think pretty sure he signed with toronto um yeah he wanted out of the nl east because <laughs> bryce bullied him so badly that was like one of my favorite running uh bits or uh stats i guess it was it was great well, that is a good one all right my next one is the first no hitter in national history the jordan zimmerman last day of the season with that Ooh. crazy diving catch from steven Sousa Sousa. Jr., who didn't play another game for the nats after that that was like his swan song with the nationals because he ended up i think with tampa after that, but man, what a moment that was because it was two outs in the ninth. They were already into the playoffs. It didn't matter. And it was just this amazing, it was this beautiful, you know, September day and it was a great game. And then he takes the no hitter. It's two outs in the ninth inning and he gives up a bomb all the way to deep center field and Souza comes running. He doesn't look like he could possibly have made it. And by the way, he had gotten switched out as a defensive replacement for Jason Wirth at the beginning of that inning. So he just came in for a defensive replacement and made that insane catch to preserve the first no-hitter in Nats history, and it was fabulous. I was yeah. driving back from uh, UVA that day, and I was, like, in my car. I came to a stop, and I, like, got texts, and, like, shoot, um, someone's, like, Zerman's about to throw a no-hitter. And I, like, literally pulled over on the side of the road just to, like, like, focus on that and also tweet about it. Nice. And, like, literally wait, like, an extra 30 minutes on the side of the road just so I can hear it happen. I was with my brother, and I tracked him down. I was texting him. I'm like, turn on the TV, turn on the TV. And we sat on the phone together turn and watched what? it. We sat on the we were We were sitting there on, on the phone the together and it was unbelievable. It was a fabulous moment. You know, we also did that same thing in the almost perfect Max game where he lost it in the ninth inning, and I was on the phone with my brother. We were so pissed. That's oh. not one of the ones on my list, so I don't want to talk about things that make me mad. That 
was a fantastic moment, the Zimmerman one. And when he throws his hands up and you see him, like, all dejected because he thinks that he just gave up a hit. Yeah, you know, he, he, and he then, had no idea, or, like, not no idea, but he thought it was going to be a hit, too. Like, you could see, Everybody like, did. Yeah, it was just going to, like, drain out of him just the, the pure, yep. like, sorrow. Because, <laughs> like, 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 I you can't said, believe I lost the- it. Yeah. Right, they were already in the playoffs, and, like, he didn't need to go, like, nine or even eight, but, like, I mean, how often do you get to throw a no-hitter? Especially with Jordan Zimmerman. I mean, he hasn't nearly been the same pitcher since he, he went to Detroit. Um, so I'm glad he got that moment. It's certainly a cool one uh, to remember. I'm going to go back to this year's playoffs again um, just because I have to mention it because I was there live, and <laughs> that's how it was Grand Slam. I can talk about this. Sure. All day, every day, and I remember it. I'll remember it for the rest of my life, man. I mean, and, and I know we've talked about this, uh, as Amanda likes to say, ad nauseum. Um, but <laughs> that's Latin. Just being, <laughs> um, just being there. Uh, it, it's, and I'm sure, like, this is a subject subjective list. So for everyone listening, I'm sure you guys have might have moments. Um, that are higher in your list because you were there in person and Howie's grand slam is that for me, just because of all the the factors going into that. And I'm not going to tell the story again, but everyone knows how much that meant to the, the Nats and it was Howie just kind of that unspoken hero. Um, and like just how his game was going so many errors and people were ready to bench him and all of a sudden he just takes an inside pitch like 450 dead center it was oh it, it was, was unreal and I, mean, I was on twitter that night like bench howie i love him but you got to get him the hell out of this game and yeah that I, and I was like it. oh my god he was having the, I was he so was having the worst game <laughs> he was having a terrible game <laughs> and to quote dumb and dumber and then you go and totally redeem yourself <laughs> Yeah, that was an unbelievable moment, not only for you personally, because obviously being there live must have been an unbelievable thing to witness, but just to to win that game for the Nats, to have them finally get the monkey off their back of being unable to get out of the division series, like the whole thing, it was just like, it was so much, and I just, I I was just screaming my head off, I couldn't believe it when that happened. That's got to be on everybody's list of the top. Nats moments. If you're a Nats fan, it doesn't get much better. And honestly, winning the World Series, obviously, you know, that one where he yeah, you're gonna get hits a lot it of... off the foul pole. But Dung. I don't yep. know that it was more exciting than that Grand Slam, especially because if there's one thing I will always remember about that game, it's how they almost didn't get to to the extra innings. I mean, there was that almost oh, home run. God. Who was it? Who was the Dodgers? The Will Smith. They were like, Will Smith. yeah, Will Smith. They were over the wall. Like the Dodgers guys were out of the dugout and ready to celebrate a walk-off and it died it on the track. The I, I, I thought, thought it was, it was out. gone too. <laughs> like, I thought it was gone too. I couldn't, if they still had it, the it was, balls that they used in the regular season, that would have been gone. <laughs> right. Right. It's ironic because I thought the Will Smith home run was out and I thought the Howie Grand Slam was a sack fly. <laughs> Me too. So Me too. Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I couldn't read anything wrong. off the bat that night. <laughs> and, uh, 
Right, and I'm pretty sure it was earlier in the game where a Bellinger was playing center field that night, and he had that amazing defensive play where he jumped up against the wall and caught it. I'm pretty sure Howie hit that ball. So I, it was just kind of like same situation, Howie uh, putting a charge into a ball dead center, and I just expected Bellinger to catch it. But, I mean, it was like 30 feet past oh, God. the fence. And, and it, when I just, Bellinger it took goes me a second to realize realizes- what happened. <laughs> what just happened? Oh, man. Oh man, it was. Oh man, it, yeah, it was, awesome. it was unbelievable. When he, when <laughs> Bellinger goes back to get it, and then he he realizes it's out, and he just like presses himself up against the center field wall and stands there for a second with total dejection. Oh God, inject it into my veins. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Why in your turn? <laughs> uh, while we're on the topic of game five. You know, the Nats were dead. Clean Kershaw comes in. They're finally threatening and just completely oh, yep. annihilates useless Adam. Oh, the back-to-back homers. And then when this team needed a spark like they did all playoff long, Anthony Rendon takes them deep, and everyone's like, oh, my God, is playoff Kershaw happening? And then Juan Soto, big daddy the hat. Yes. The <laughs> baton was passed from one goat to the other because Clayton Kershaw was murdered in front of millions mm-hmm. of people in national television when Juan Soto took him 450 in the right center field. And we get the photo of Juan Soto running down the first base while Clayton Kershaw's doing his normal uh, bend over with his head and his, uh, his knees because he can't believe he's gave up another huge home run. Absolutely love it. Yeah, That's that was a really, nuts. really good one. Obviously, yeah. most of our like interaction and experience with fans is Nats fans. I mean, obviously, but it was crazy like being there to see how quickly the Dodgers fans turned on Clayton Kershaw. Like that's like Nats fans turning on Max. Like it was just so surreal well, to me. Like people on Twitter, he, were, like, yeah, he blew the game, his- but like, I mean, yeah. They it was brutal. I actually felt bad for him when they were showing yes. him in the dugout. And after. running like, his jersey over the Yeah, no, I, I was just about to say <laughs> that. Leaving the stadium, someone, like, held up a Clayton Kershaw jersey in front of our car and asked us to run over it. And, like, I didn't do it because, I mean, I had already gotten all of it. I was I like, I love that guy. <laughs> well, no, I had already gotten all I wanted out of the night. So, I mean, right. I, I was good. But people, You're like, are you I mean, kidding? He's a Nats hero. I'm not running over his shit. Yeah, ex- exactly. But it was just <laughs> crazy to see how quickly they turned on their guy. Like, I could never – I'm sure I would, <laughs> to be honest. But, it, like, if that was Max, I just can't imagine, like, a majority of Nats fans turning on him like the Dodgers fans did Kershaw. Yeah. He does it a lot. It that- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. They probably didn't turn on him, like, the first few times. But, yeah. <laughs> it's a fair. Okay, so I think that we would be remiss if we don't bring up the Rendon 10 RBI game versus the Mets. Was it 23 to 5, I think, was yeah. the final score in that yeah. game? That was one of those moments where it was just a regular season game, so in the grand scheme of things, it's no different than like a 2-1 win, right? It doesn't really matter, but that day was so much fun. Like, you just couldn't believe it. it was they, the, the way the ball was flying out of the park and the Nats just absolutely trounced. Like, Syndergaard started that game, too, which made it even more unbelievable. And then he got hurt, and then everything just went the Nats way. Yeah, that one was a fun one. It was, uh, And now that Rendon's gone, I feel like we should definitely at least put one. Wait, 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 wait. He's gone? (laughs) Wait, wait, what happened? 
Did I miss something? <laughs> I mean, I just did yeah. a rundown moment, so. Yeah, that's true. You did a rundown moment there. So we got two of those. We got some Harper love on this, and we got some rundown love. What's your next one, Nick? <laughs> um, so I'm going way back, and again, this is favorite. It is subjective. Do not be mean to me on Twitter. Don't at me. But <laughs> there was a game. I couldn't tell you what year it was. I couldn't tell you like what game it was. I just remember what happened. So there was a game, and the Nats seemingly walked it off. And of all people, it was Adam Dunn. So Adam Dunn hits a ball like I don't know what center field is at Nats Park, but he hit it off the top of the wall and it bounced back into play. So like there was we we're trying to figure out if it was like a home run. So we were all celebrating. And this is when the Nats sucked. Um, so it was probably like 2011 or something. But like we were trying to figure out if it's a home run, if it wasn't and, and all this stuff. And like. I just remember like Nats Park collectively booing when they ruled it a double instead of a home run. And then very next batter, Pudge Rodriguez, single on the right field, wins it. It was just like like I mean, there wasn't much to root for at that time, but you had Adam Dunn who, if anything, it was fun to see him hit home runs in uh Hall of Famer and Pudge Rodriguez catching the Nats. It, it was just like it was just one of those moments where uh, like obviously I was younger and uh, again, not much to root for, but it's just one of those like moments at the ballpark I'll always remember. I love that story because it's stuff like that to me that makes you a fan. It's those moments. right, exactly. It's the, it's the yeah, it's the mundane like day in day out stuff. If you're gonna love baseball, you're gonna love it for the long grind of the season. You're gonna love the little moments because if all you care about is big playoff moments, you're not gonna be much of a fan because your team's not gonna always be in the playoffs. And, yep. you know, you're not going to go far a lot of the time when you do make it into the playoffs. So you've, you've got to love the little things. And that's a great story. I love it's it. All about the little things. All about the little things. All right. Should all right, I Ryan. Should I do a big one or just a really random one? Random. Random. We've done all a couple right. big ones. So it's when Michael Morris, I think it was like a grand slam or it's like a regular home run. Oh, but yeah. On the field, they didn't say it was. And then they went to review it, and then he reenacted it. Yeah, so then he'd like run back home <laughs> and then like that. swing without a bat, and then ran all the way around, and like F, he was losing uh, his mind. But it's just like <laughs> random stuff like that that just like makes baseball so great. It's just yeah, like really weird, and it one. just popped into my head. I just think it's so funny. Michael Morris is just that one is of those good. characters, man. Like it was crazy that like he had really one good season, but it just happened to coincide. Hey, he with, had like, a couple us. really big hits for the giants though. On yeah, the way to winning a world series. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah, this is true. All right. Well, since we haven't said it yet, uh, one of us has to get it in here is the 20 K game. I, from see, I didn't say it cause I knew you were going to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's um, that one to me. Like he has the two no hitters, one of which should have been a perfect game. Uh, I, I hate you, Matt Williams. I'll hate you forever. Anyway, um, I just feel like I feel like no hitters are awesome. They're cool. They don't happen all that often. But you do see a few of them every year. Twenty K game is I mean, more impressive. Change my mind. Yeah, that's way more impressive. And you know, I just I remember watching it and and just the 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 rising excitement every time he had a strikeout. And by the end of the game, that you know, it's just every strikeout was just everyone's on the edge of their seats and the announcers were going crazy. And it was just one of those awesome moments that you'll, you'll will probably never see it happen again. Guys don't strike. Guys don't have strikeouts at the numbers that Max does very often. There are only a few in baseball. 
at right. any given time. And so we may never, ever see something like that again. So that was definitely up there in my favorite moments. Yeah. And it's also funny, like Homer Bailey has two no hitters and like you just go down the line of guys with no hitters and just like, I mean, it's an accomplishment. Don't get me wrong, but like Edwin Jackson had a no hitter. Yeah. Edwin Jackson had a no hitter and he walked eight people. Like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, and there's yeah, there's kind no of an hit, any given but... Sunday aspect to no hitters. Right. Like yes, obviously you have to be a good pitcher to do it, but you also everything just has to kind of go your way that day. Like the defense is great behind you, and you know right. like everything just works out. It's like a all, all the stars align kind of thing. But twenty twenty strikeouts in a game is is one of those things where that's just you, that's eye popping. Right. And like what made this so much better also, it was Max Scherzer versus Jordan Zimmerman. It was like Max's first time facing the Tigers, Jordan Zimmerman's mm-hmm. first time facing the Nats since then. And Max was like, There's a reason why you guys pay me more money than you paid uh Jordan Zimmerman. And it was just I don't know, it was <laughs> right. so special. It was so <laughs> special. That one was awesome. All right, Nick, what do you got? Um, so another one I was live in, in person there. Um, and it was the first game at Nats Park. Uh, like again, we weren't very good. Oh wait, no, that, that's not even this decade. I messed up. Ooh. Oh god. Oh god. Uh, let me. <laughs> that was me rewinding. Well, <laughs> I was I was like trying to pull off like uh, another list that we did, and then I forgot that that wasn't this decade. Um, Ryan, go ahead. <laughs> All right, so... Ryan, you get to take his turn. Alright, so I was gonna say the first time the Nats won the division, but nah, you know, um, I'm gonna go with a different one. This one was the uh, it was a huge, just like turning moment for this guy's career, like how he was perceived, like nationwide. You know, I love Strauss, but he's been seen as like a delicate flower. Like he's weak mentally. He doesn't have grit. And all this other stuff. The uh, the game for NLDS game versus the Cubs, yeah. When he, when he like didn't want to pitch or he was scratched because he was sick, flu game. And then the flu game, was gone. And then the, the entire team like bullied him into pitching while he was sick. He put the team on his back and he just completely shoved. And the Cubs said he was like the best pitcher they saw like that year long. And that was when like. We finally saw like the Strauss. I mean, we saw it like flashes before, but like this is a Strauss we're going to love. And on and, short like, rest too. And on short rest, like he finally was the first time that that whole narrative around him was starting to disappear. Now the narrative's completely gone, but that was the first time that narrative finally yeah. got a little bit quieter. A World Series MVP will do that to you. <laughs> oh yeah, going five and zero in the playoffs. <laughs> okay, yeah. I have one. Okay, what I is have it? one. I'm going to redeem myself because this is a very funny moment. I was not in uh, person to this one, but it was the Nats were playing the Braves and the Braves announcer said that Soto was not a home run hitter. No, it was the Mets. Oh, it was was, the Mets? I thought it was the Braves. No, it was the Mets. Okay. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. But yeah, they said Soto wasn't a home run hitter. And the very next pitch, Soto, Soto, Soto hits one like 450 into like the triple deck it, it was awesome it was i thought just... you were gonna say uh the respect the a moment when you started talking <laughs> oh god oh, i mean that's yeah. a good one too there's so many it's hard to pick <laughs> yeah this is true but that that one was funny because it was just like instant like karma for saying something so dumb like you clearly don't know what you're talking about and then <laughs> immediately no. comes back 
All right. So, okay, it's my turn. I'll fit, we'll finish this up, and then we can move on. I've got one more, which is when the Nats clinched their very first playoff berth, um, that moment was really, really cool. I was actually on vacation in Florida um, with my husband and my kids, and so when we realized, obviously we're in Florida, we don't have Nats games because there's nothing local and we're staying like in a condo by the beach. So my husband and I went out to a sports bar Flex. so that we could watch. Okay. So we could watch, well, I oh, mean, a bar. Was that anyway. on the beach as well? <laughs> we went to a bar so we could watch the game, and uh, we we were in there with a bunch of, it was a bunch of Marlins fans in there uh, while we were there. There's no Marlins the fans. I know, there were a few. There were a few in this bar. Pot but we got to turn on the game. We got them to we got them to turn on the game and we got to watch it and I just remember you know the, the how cool it was to hear them talking about the first time we'll see playoff baseball in Washington since 1933 and you know all this just craziness and it was really really cool it was just a neat moment for you know a, a team that hadn't been very good for a lot of years and to finally have playoff baseball to look forward to that was just a really neat moment that I always remember. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and actually, like, being able to see it, even though obviously you're not there, it just, like, it adds more to it because, obviously, it's special when it happens. It's special when you're there and in person, for sure. But, like, still being able to see it and seeing everyone's reaction, like, at the moment it happens, like, it means mm-hmm. something. And it's, like, just making that slight effort, even though you can't make the game or for whatever reason, making that effort to, like, see your team do something special it's just like like the little things you were talking about earlier just it's awesome yeah why we love baseball you gotta yeah that's why you love baseball and it was just neat too because you know you get to watch the celebration i always love the advance to the next round celebrations they're super fun you know everybody with the champagne and then they came back out on the field to celebrate with all the fans and it was just cool yep agreed all right. I think that's everything I had on my list, and some of them were duplicates of yours. And uh, I, honorable mention, they opened the Pupuseria a couple of years ago <laughs> at the stadium, which is God, my favorite. I that's definitely that up there for so me. Good. <laughs> so good. Oh, have you guys good. been eating them now when you go? It is the best oh, food I've got, I get the them stadium. every time now. Them. It was on my top five lists of food at Nats Park. Shows how much you care about me, Amanda. <laughs> I'm saying, have you been getting them every time you go? I get them I every single time I go to the stadium. It's the first thing I buy. I, I usually know, end up I, with the blue shave ice at some point, but I love nachos so much. So I've been I've been in the nachos for quite some time. I have a hot take. I'm not sure if you guys are ready for this conversation. All nachos right, are I'm overrated. Nachos are overrated. <gasps> what did you I just say to so me? I am so with you. Nachos. If you, I mean, you can get okay. them if you can get the cheese on the side. Right, that's okay right. for dipping. Those are nachos. Those are nachos. Hear me out. That is Ryan. with stupid cheese. Okay, hear me I'm out. listening. I'm listening. Hear me out. Okay. Because most places, if nachos are done right, they're good. Let me qualify it with that. But most places, like, they're just in, like, like Nats Park, they're just in the business of getting you your food as soon as possible and getting next to the line. So they don't take the time and care to prepare the nachos correctly. Have you had the nachos in the club? They'll throw all the slap down. Oh, slight flex on you. Uh, Who's eating the club? So good. Um, But they'll just throw the slop down in the middle, and then the chips get soggy, and you're lucky if, like, you pull a chip out, you think, it, like, it'll support your, your ingredients. But the, the end of the chip is soggy, and then your ingredients just fall off, and you're like, damn it. And then you got to, like, use your fingers to scoop 
like the, the ingredients and your fingers get dirty. And if you're sharing the nachos with other people, they might not like that. And there's just it, nachos can so easily go wrong and so many places don't prepare them correctly that it's just like not worth the time, to be honest. Well, just yeah, know well, that that's fine. That's your opinion, but you're wrong and I hate you. <laughs> Listen, no, here's man. the thing. I totally agree with you on this, Nick. I love nachos, but not at a ballpark because you get the big plop of cheese in the middle, and then those chips are soggy, and then you don't have any cheese on any of the other chips. So then you end up with, like, weird soggy chips and a bunch of naked chips, and it's not good. When I make them at home, and I often make them at home, I take every chip and lay it out individually on, like, a you sheet season pan. It with salt. And I put a little bit of not. I put a little bit of salsa and a little no, bit of cheese on every chip. No, she's white. She doesn't season chip. it. <laughs> and then uh, I put I put a little salsa and a little cheese and then put it under the broiler. So every chip has the perfect amount of toppings, and every chip there is perfectly go. crunched. That is the way to cor- correctly make nachos. You have right. to you know who has great nachos? Chilies. Chilies. Yes. <laughs> we hadn't gotten one Chilies plug in here yet, so we fixed that. You were making it up for it. But, like, yeah, if you take the time to spread the nachos out and use a wider circumference of a, uh-huh. a serving dish to, to prepare yeah. your nachos and evenly spread the ingredients, that's when they're good. But the higher up you go and, and the the less uh, width you use in, in your serving dish, like, that just is a recipe for disaster. So Agreed. nachos. There's the one place I go where the chip hooks high me up. Risk, she high risk, Separate. <laughs> she gives me the separate thing of cheese. I go to the same place every time, and she gives me one thing with my chips in it and another container with my cheese in it, so that I can just dip my nachos in the cheese. Those aren't That's nachos. The only place I'll go. It's chips and cheese. That's what nachos are, Ryan. It's chips no, and cheese. No, if you if you have your cheese on the side and you're calling it nachos, you're a communist. That is not nachos. So if you take the ingredients and, and put them into separate dishes, it is not they're not different. They're just the same thing. They're nope, just that's, different those containers. are that's chips with t- like stuff on the side, okay? That's chips with a, like a, a charcuterie board. That's not nachos. Nachos wow. you have them all together. All about the flex, you had to say charcuterie, huh? <laughs> I side with Ryan Sands the communist comment. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now, I don't like think, you... I don't know. I'm not a fan of ballpark nachos. Not that I don't like nachos in general, but ballpark also, nachos are garbage. It, it, but aside from, like, the quality of the nachos, it's just not the most ideal ballpark food either. Like, because you're, you're going to get your hands dirty regardless, and then you're just at the ballpark, you're handling things, like, you're outside. It's just, it's not, it's not my choice. You ever heard of washing yeah. your hands before you eat? What? You said your hands are dirty. Like if you're in, after like, you eat, because you get them dirty while you're eating, washing them beforehand. I feel like we're off on a tangent a little bit. Maybe we could. You're right. This is what people come to listen. <laughs> this is what the people come here. I for. mean, listen. You hold this pod- <laughs> podcast above water, so like we'll just follow your lead. <laughs> All right. Well, my lead says let's talk about the top five Nats players of the decade. I got my list. Again, this is obviously an objective list, list. And I no, have mine, but no, it's not in order. No, it's not. It's facts. Straight facts, beef. All right, Ryan, give us your list. Five to one. Five to one. Um, my fifth is the most important left fielder in Nationals history. Um, he made his team competitive, and he really showed a difference 
in the clubhouse and on the field and off the field. I have the same number five. I'm going to go out here and say I don't even know who it is, but I have the same number five. He really (laughs) showed what it meant to be a true national, and he was a fan favorite for his tenure. That's Alfonso Soriano. Um, number <laughs> not, five. Yeah, not the not the same. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought this was the my decade. Number four. I wait. wait, wait. I, 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 I thought I'll, this was the decade. Um. Yeah, I couldn't think of a fifth person. I thought it'd be <laughs> funny to throw Alfonso Sori on there and make it sound like I was going to be Jason Worth. I thought you were going to do Juan Soto. Juan Soto is my number five. <laughs> oh, I forgot about him. Yeah, it's only been one full year. He can't be on there yet. That's how good he I was. Disagree. I think he can't be. How did we not put his play, his hit in the wild card game into our top Nats moment? We've, See, talked, we, about, we've our, talked about so much on the At the same now, time, so. we didn't mention winning the World Series either. So. Well, well, we that, said that was excluded. That goes yeah. without saying. Obviously, that was the best Yeah, we've moment, talked about so plenty of the playoff go. moments. Yeah, I've, right. I've talked about the wild card hit now. All right. Well, we know that was an awesome moment. We don't need to go into it. Okay, who's your number four? Number four, I got Ryan Zimmerman. Um, You know, he's had a couple bad years, but I was like, eh, you know, might as well throw him on here. I don't want people being at me, like, meh, 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 meh. Um, Number three, I got the World Series MVP, Steven Strasburg. Oh, damn, I forgot about Rendon. That should have been my number five. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Number three, Maybe instead of Soriano? I don't know. (laughs) All right, Rendon's my number five. (laughs) Um, number two, I have Bryce Harper. Um, just all he did, all his his stuff. And then number one, I got Max Scherzer. That's a good list. Mm-hmm. Are your people different? You got Soto on your list, Nick? I do have Soto on my list. Soto is my number five. Who did make your? Um, I, I did. Well, well, don't don't make me spoil my list before I get there. Come on. Um, so does my number five, just because uh, of what he was able to do, not only in his sophomore season, where certainly for the first month, maybe month and a half, pitchers had figured him out. Like he was struggling to start this year. And I mean, we certainly talked about it on this podcast, like pitchers were figuring out Soto. Uh, he wasn't really getting many pitches to hit more off speed. He was getting visibly frustrated and just the way he was able to turn it around. He was only 20 years old and, and all this stuff like that just credit to him, but also filling the shoes of one Bryce Harper. I mean, there's plenty of talk about yeah, that. No pressure there. <laughs> yeah. No pressure at all. And I mean, all odds were against him just filling those shoes and second season still young pitchers figuring it out like he had it all against him and he figured it out so credit to him number four i have anthony rendon similar reasons i mean he's always been that model of consistency throughout his first what five years with the team up until this year um, and that, that's been great. Like he's always been 285 or so, 20 home runs, 90 RBIs. And that's been great. Like you will take that stellar defense uh, as well. But then he brought his game to a level that I don't think anyone really expected. And, and like, not that he didn't have an in him because obviously he did, but we just expected him to be this consistent guy. And that wasn't a bad thing, but he elevated his game to a top five player in baseball, which I mean was insane, like credit to him, but like also why weren't you doing this the entire time? Um, So 
I mean, he's How much do you think great. it had to do with having having uh, Soto hitting behind him? I mean, I think I, I, would... I don't know because I mean he's had Bryce hitting behind him before. I think he's just but in the peak argue, of his career is, right this now. This is gonna piss people off, but I think that Soto was the more dangerous hitter the last couple of years than Harper has been. I don't know I mean, if that's completely well, true. Last couple of years, the guys only played one full season, so you're wrong there. Well, that's what I'm saying no, the, the time I mean, he's Rendon, been in the league. I mean, other than that little struggle he had when you know, like you mentioned earlier in the season, I think that you know Soto's a Soto's been a guy they don't want to look, they don't want to see, you know, and they'll just oh, no, they, they want not, Bryce a lot. But I'm not arguing that, but I mean, Rendon kind of, was just in the peak of his career, like he was finally hitting a stride, like. He's, right. he's dealt with some injuries in his career, and now, like, he was healthy. Everything was hitting right. Um, he was, you know, in front of Soto, like he said. And it was just a perfect storm that made Rendon excel to the guy, like, we've all known he could be, and, then they, and everyone finally noticed him. But also, um, just to wrap this up, because I don't want to spend too much time on this, um, but there isn't a big – like, you can argue Soto this year is better than – whenever Bryce is hitting behind Rendon, you can argue that. But despite the argument, there wasn't a big enough difference between Soto and Bryce to explain the large difference between 2019 Rendon and his next best season. Because his next best season was like 30 points in batting average, like almost 20 home runs and like 30 RBIs. Like that's a huge jump. Um, So credit to him. I will sorely miss Rendon. Um, number three. Me too. But I, yeah. Yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, no. Go ahead. No, it's fine. You know what? You're right. We don't need to get off on that. That's a conversation <laughs> we could have. But we'll just keep going. What's your number three? Number three. I do have Bryce. Um, he meant a lot. Like, just it, it's facts. Like, the people wouldn't have this strong of a reaction uh, to him signing with Philly and leaving the team if he didn't mean so much to the team. It's just the way it is. Uh, he meant a lot. He had a lot of great moments. Um, certainly polarizing, but those who loved him honestly probably still love him. So I, I miss him every single day. I wish he was a part of this 2019 World Series team, but I will always treasure him for the moments he did give us as a member of the Nats. Um, number two, I, I had a, a tough time between number one and number two, but I, I went number one in the number one spot for a reason. Number two, I have Max. Um, so obviously Max has been arguably the best pitcher in baseball since he signed uh, the the contract with the Nats, uh, the free agent uh, signing, which uh, we will get to later. But uh, the free agent contract he signed is probably the best free agent signing in MLB history, or at least it, it's it's certainly up there, um, considering now that we won the World Series and, and his two uh, youngs to boot. Um, but Max has been great, and I mean, a couple of IL stints in the past couple of years. But I mean, he's been pretty consistent, healthy, making starts, being the dominant ace. He's been worth every penny, and then some. Um, emphasis on then some because he's going to be being paid for a while after he leaves <laughs> the Nats. Thanks, learners. Um, but number one, that leaves Steven Strasburg. Um, yes, certainly does. not as consistent as yeah, Max. I forgot about I get him that. too. <laughs> yeah, he he would have um, been my father. <laughs> uh, certainly not as consistent as Max. And like, if you had Max number one, I certainly wouldn't have like blamed you for that. But 
I truly do not think we win this World Series without without uh, with Strasburg. Like, I mean, Max, you could argue the same, but Strasburg is obviously way more important pretty, throughout the playoffs. Pretty bold thing to say there, guy. <laughs> but you you get what I'm saying, right? Like. I mean, Strauss has had injuries and just inconsistencies, but when it mattered, even in 2017, like Ryan mentioned before, Strauss stepped up, and I, I think he's meant so much when the games counted, and that just it deserves to be recognized. I think he's the top player of the decade. I like it. It's a good list. So, um, all right, my number five, I, I'm I'm leaning toward going Soto here, but I, I know I have the same sort of um, reservations in that he's only had one full season, but he's just had so much impact on the Nats. And everything's skewed because, of course, they won the World Series this year. So you've got playoff moments all the way up to the World Series that are so that are so important that despite the small sample size, it seems like he, he should have a place on this list. My other player who has that same sort of argument, though, is Howie, who... You know, you could argue now owns some of the biggest moments in Matt's history, even though it's, a again, a small sample size. So, I don't know. I guess I'd go Soto or Howie. I was torn on that for, for the number five. Because, to me, it's, it's this list about the players who've had the, the most impact, you know, because of their length of time that they played here, like a player like Bryce or Rendon, or just the most impact, period. And I think Howie and Soto both could be on the list if you're using the latter um, criteria. I'll allow uh, it. For me, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I'll allow it. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, okay. My number four is Harper, who, you know, you you actually explained it really well. I mean, he's he is who he is. Thank A you. lot of people are bitter about the way he left, but, you know, you can't argue about how important he was to this franchise, and I don't think you can go on any list of top NAS players that doesn't have him on it wouldn't make sense. So he's in my number four spot. Um, number three, I've got Strauss, who um, I really wanted to maybe put him higher here, but, he, you know, with the injuries and with some of the, the years where things didn't quite go as well as they might have, um, now he's, of course, been just a beast the last, the last couple of seasons, especially in this, this playoff run, but um, he might be higher on my list if a couple more good years go by. But um, Above him on my list, I have Rendon. Um, he just so consistent. When I was thinking through this list, I, was, I, I, don't, I can't think of anybody who's played for the Nats who you could just count on all the time. You know, there's guys who were up and down, guys who were off injured, like Zimmerman. Having Zimmerman not on this list was hurtful to me, but <laughs> Zimmerman didn't make my top five. He's my number six, um, but he didn't make this list for me. My number one is Max. I, I think. As far as free agent contracts go, it's the best one, certainly the Nats ever did, maybe the best one ever in baseball. He's been a Cy Young contender every year he's been here. He's won two. He's just been unbelievable. Two no-hitters, the 20K game, the broken nose game, the, the legend of Scherzer just goes on and on and on. I just, he's my, he's my top, top Nat ever and my favorite player on the team. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I just said it like if you hadn't max number one, I wouldn't argue. Also, we had this debate earlier in the year, but now that he's won a World Series, I think it's debate 
closed. Max is definitely a first ballot Hall of Famer now. So yes. I think we can just throw that one <laughs> to the side. I now. forgot we had that debate. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, how perceptions change when a guy has a World Series, which is so stupid because you can't win a World Series by yourself, no matter how good you are. You know, right. it, it's a team sport, but there's something that changes. It, re- it reminds me a lot of the way people talk about Ovechkin now. Like, suddenly, oh, he's, you know. Yeah, he's one of the greats now, yeah. Right, but before, everybody thought he was a loser. I'm like, this is a guy who, you know, who scores 50 goals almost every year of his career, and people act like he was some sort of loser because the, the Caps never got past the second round. I'm like, you can't do it by right. himself, you know. But I, I feel the same way about Max and Strauss to a certain extent. Like, no matter how good he was, the team never did anything. And people look at Strauss totally differently now. Best number one pick of all time, don't at me. Yeah. I'll allow it. <laughs> all right. We're running a little bit long here, so let's go a little quicker through these last two sections here. We've got um, best and worst free agent signings of the decade for the Nats. Which one do we want to do? First? We want to do worst or first? What do you want to do? Let's do worst. Okay, worst. I'll run through my list really quick. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's so many like free agent signings I just like exited from my brain. So some of these might be more recency bias. Um, number five, I have Rafael Soriano, just because we're still paying him and like there's no. Oh God, that's pred- so makes me upset. Yeah. Yeah, there's no production he could have done that would warrant still paying him like six years after the fact. So that's my number five. Number four, I have Trevor Rosenthal just because of how gloriously uh, a mess it was. Like that, it was just <laughs> that was your first first free agent signing before like considering Bryce or or Corbin or anything else. First free agent signing, Trevor Rosenthal, infinite ERA for longer than he like was a pitcher here. Yeah, that one um, is on my list, too. <laughs> number three, this... <laughs> I had to do it. Number three is Jason Wirth. Um, I, I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but obviously he was here for seven years, and let's just say he had, like, a 10 war over that span. Like, eight of that war, maybe even more, came in, like, the first two years. So, like, that back, like two-fifth or no that doesn't work I, math is hard um like that last <laughs> five years of the contract it just sucked so much and people were like overly romanticized about the game four 2012 home run and i get it it was a big moment but like jose lobatone had a huge moment in the playoffs as well and we don't like herald him as like this nats legend and he's not in our ring of honor like we grossly overpaid and that contract was not worth it and no one will ever change my mind on that uh number two (laughs) i get why we signed him but there was a reason no one wanted to touch this guy and that's matt weeders like he was on the market for so long uh whatever year that was and like he was linked to the Nats for so long, but it was because the Nats were like the only team needed who needed a catcher, and Matt Wieters was like the only catcher on the market. And I still to this day believe there was like a better option out there. Matt Wieters was so bad. And number one, and I Googled this because I needed inspiration. Uh, I forgot this guy even existed. Nate McLeod. Nate McLeod. Two years, years, $10.25 Don't know where that money went, but I can't remember Nate McLeod being on the the team longer than like 50 games. It blew too hard. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad one. 
Yep. Yep. All right. I like it. Ryan, what do you got? Yeah, so I got number five. I got Joe Blanton. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's I, another I can, one. I could do this entire list from free agent signings because Mike Rizzo for the life of him cannot build a bullpen. The dude's absolutely horrible at it and blows my mind. But Joe Blanton, um, the guy's terrible. He was supposed to be like the eighth inning guy, and he hasn't pitched in baseball since he left the Nats. There's a common theme with that, and some relievers that signed with the Nationals. Um, number four, Matt Wieters. He, his production with the Nats was the worst of any catcher that played in baseball from 2000 on. So like if you ranked every catcher how they were on their production, Matt Wieters was dead last, and he was on the Nationals. The dude was god-awful. Number three, I had Nate McLeod. He's also tied with Tony Sipp. I don't know why the Nats didn't bother with him. Um, number two, my goat, Trevor Rosenthal. It's kind of just impressive how bad he was, but he had the worst start of any free agent. Sorry, he had the worst season for any reliever in MLB history. Um, and the Nats like signed him. We're like, we got our guy. Our bullpen is set right now. That's our eighth <laughs> inning guy. This guy hasn't pitched in two years, but he is our eighth He's inning guy. He's throwing a hundred. You should see him in spring training. Yeah. Oh my God! That. Literally hours after, I, I'm so mad about that. I again doesn't know how to make a bullpen. Blows my life. The worst thing that ever happened to this team outside of my number one, who is Jason Worth. Everyone, please at me on Twitter about this. <laughs> the worst contract in Nationals history. Um, <clears throat> I get it. It was Nat's first big free agent signing, but he was terrible. He was good when the team was bad, but when the team got good, he was terrible, and he was a complete liability at the plate and in left field. The man watched strike one down the middle every time. He then fouled off. Oh my two, God, that drove then, me crazy. He would lunge and just strike out. Pissed me off so much. And um, <clears throat> you mentioned game five. Everyone over glorifies that for no reason whatsoever. Game four. Sorry. Excuse game me. Game four. four. If the Nats win that series, that's great. But they lost. So that home run was just as meaningless as every other playoff moment until yeah, this year. Yeah, Bryce, Asdrubal Cabrera, Jose Lobaton, they're all the same. All of them. In, in, yeah. And also, can't overlook the fact that he lost the Nats two playoff games in 2017, and he was a complete liability, but he did not want to come out, and Dusty was all... I'd be mad no, if that, I wasn't That's wild. Like He's my guy. Yeah. I'm oh I'm gonna God. I'm gonna pause you right there just because like I had a whoa moment. The the person, the player people were clamoring for instead of Jason Worth in twenty seventeen was Howie Kendrick. And look at this year. We play Howie Kendrick, granted he's two years older, mm-hmm. and he's NLDS MVP or uh, NLCS MVP or whatever yeah. it was, and mm-hmm. CS MVP and Obviously, Game 7 of the World Series, Game 5 of the NLDS. I mean, there's probably a point yeah. if you play Howie in 2017, we probably at least win the NLDS against the Cubs. Well, yeah, because we don't have Jason Worth stopping on the bloop or Rizzo yelled, respect me. And then Jason Worth terribly playing that ball in the lights in Game 5 where he slid and was like 20 feet away from it. Oh, my God. Was... Yeah, we can right. move on. This is, this is making me, me upset. Out. all right well um this is the part where i was doing my research for this episode and then my daughter wanted to play with dinosaurs so i only got to three (laughs) on my list (laughs) worst but mine were um i had i had worse not because he didn't have good moments but because like you guys it's 
It's a well lot done. of money for a little it production. Was, it was a lot of money for a little production, and if you put a lot of value on the clubhouse stuff, then good on you. I don't put that much value on it. It's now worth um, 126 it, million. Look at Para. No, so we got Para the, for like 500,000. The damage that was done at the end of that contract made the production at the beginning not worth it to me. So Thank taking you. emotion out of it, it was a bad contract. Thank you. Um, Weeders is, I was going to put him number two and put Rosenthal number one, but I do believe that that is recency bias. I think Weeders was worse. Probably. So Rosenthal is my number two and Weeders was my number one. I think you could argue Weeders was the worst free agent signing in the history of the National. Just <laughs> yeah, terrible. Man. Probably. I think Worth will get thrown up there because of the money, and Rosenthal will get thrown up there uh, because of the ERA and just how gloriously, right. Right, gloriously bad it was. But, yeah, I can certainly see why Weeders would be number one. So Yeah, and he was just a black hole in the lineup for two years. It was, it was terrible. Yeah. All right. And couldn't move when he did get a hit. He could not move around the bases like like a like a lumbering animal. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry. Now I'm getting personal. Sorry. Sorry, Matt. Dude, that was that, that was uncalled for. <laughs> we move. On. Yeah, because he definitely listens. Um, so should we move on to uh, to best? Yeah, let's do it quick because we're we're running short on time. So let's do uh, our best. Okay. Number five. Uh, probably recency bias, but. He certainly had an effect, even if it wasn't necessarily on the field. Number five, Gerardo Parra. Uh, I mean, a Nats fan say it all the time, just his impact on the clubhouse and kind of just bring uh, a looseness to the clubhouse that was known for being way too uptight, stick-up-your-ass type like clubhouse uh, up mm -hmm. until this point. Parra and Sanchez, too, but Parra was like the, the known one to to loosen that up and obviously the baby shark phenomenon will live forever even though it should have died um number four again recency bias but it won us a world series patrick corbin uh he didn't have the best postseason but he did get the win in game seven and i mean just him being flexible and pitching out of the bullpen being a starter not necessarily being a relegated but certainly if you pay this guy as much as we did, you would expect him to be out there behind Max and Strauss, and that wasn't the case, but it didn't get to him. He still out, went out there and competed. I loved that. Um, number three, ironic that this only happened after uh, Brandon Phillips blocked a trade to the Nats with his no-trade clause because um, he didn't want to go to the Nats. I can't remember. I think he went to the Braves afterwards, which is ironic, but he blocked a trade to the Nats, which forced the Nats' hand to sign this guy, Daniel Murphy, I mean, had some mm -hmm. of the best seasons of our, probably the best seasons of his career with the Nats. It was awesome. I mean, just like the average, the home runs, the pairing with Bryce and the other guys in our lineup. It, it was a sight to see. I love Daniel Murphy. Um, number two, uh, a bold one here. I don't know if it's bold, but kind of a under the radar, I guess, for even signing. And that's Howie. Howie was re-signed in 2017, but he was – it wasn't an extension. He became a free agent. He was on the open market. We re-signed him in 2017, and if we hadn't, it, that who knows how this 2019 uh, World Series and playoff run turns out. So, Howie definitely up there. And number one is obvious. I would hope we all have the same, and that's Max. Greatest free agent signing of all time. Love it. What do you got, Ryan? <clears throat> um, I can't think of a fifth one. I'm going to leave that four. So, number four, I have Adam LaRoche, uh, a two-year deal. That's a good one. But in 2012, he finished sixth in MVP voting. 
Uh, most people forget that. He had a great year that year. So I got him at number four. Number three, he's only been here one year, but he earned all of his money in Game 7 of the World Series. That is Patrick Corbin. He came up huge out of the uh, bullpen multiple times. And when you get three shutout innings right after, or two or three shutout innings, and that big of a moment in Game 7, you're going to earn all of your money. So for that, he's yep. three. Number we two. We thank you. We thank you. Uh, number two, the Nats signed him on Christmas Eve. I remember I was at Christmas Eve dinner with my family, and I got a notification that the Nats signed Daniel Murphy from the Mets. Um, he was huge. He was unbelievable he got here. And then his first at-bat, he also hit a ba- uh, bases cleared triple. That went over John Carlos Stan's head. I remember that because I was there. And then number one, no shock, Max Scherzer. The go. Yeah, you got to have it. All right, I got number five is Howie because of all the aforementioned playoff heroics. Way too low. Uh, yeah, well, Murphy's my number four, and I went back and forth between Murphy and Howie. Um, Corbin's my number three. And uh, one Steven Strasburg, who we just signed in free agency, is my number two behind only Mr. Max Scherzer. So Stras is now um, considered a free agent. Semi-cheating. So. Semi-cheating. <laughs> Not cheating. He was in free agency. I said semi. Were you talking about the contract <laughs> he just signed? Yeah, yes, that's what he was she a said. Free agent. How can you? Yeah, but he hasn't done anything though. It could be one of the worst contracts ever. You can't put that in there. No, I'm putting it in there. You can't tell me what to do. That's You're not my dad. <laughs> 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 All right, so there you go. That's my list. That was. All you, right. That was your number two. That Max. was number two. Max obviously is the number oh, one. Oh, well, you didn't say it. I didn't know. I yes, mean, I did. You, you, no, you've said you've said more outlandish things on this podcast, so who knows who your number one could have been? Could have been Matt Weeders. That's true. Could have been. It could have been a front. <laughs> okay, so let's get to Twitter questions. We just have a couple here Twitter tonight. Questions. We have one, one from the Nats fanatic who asked, "If we don't sign Donaldson, who are your next realistic targets at third base? If it's a trade, what pieces are you willing to part with?" So. If the Nats don't sign Donaldson. Eager to answer there? (laughs) Yeah, because there's only one other option. If the Nats don't sign Donaldson, and it's Chris Bryant. Agreed. They have to do whatever it takes to get one of these two people, because if the Nats don't, they're screwed. And everyone can have their positive outlook. Oh, the Nats are fine. They have the same team as last year. Their team age is about 65 years old right now. Like, they're old as hell. Um, And, like, Juan Soto also doesn't have protection. There's only two options. Yeah, they definitely don't have the same team as last year. No, Rendon is a gaping hole in the lineup. It's like, And defensively at third base. Exactly. Like, so how how are you going to replace that? Okay, realistically, Donaldson, he's better defensively than Rendon. He also had a six war. Or if he signs elsewhere, go get the guy who's been a top five player in the league since he entered. And he had a down year last year, and people are off of him. And his OPS was still over nine. I'm sorry, like over nine hundred. Like the guy's unreal. And who I'd trade for him? Anything, everything. I don't value value prospects. Get them off my team. Um, but like I, I 100% throw Kibum in. I throw Will Crate, Crow, all those guys for two years of uh, um, Chris. Yeah, Bryant, if it's two years, time. yeah. Even if it's one year, screw it. Do it anyways. Having no, him, I wouldn't do it for one year. Well, you're going to be absolutely awful if you don't, if you miss out on Donaldson. So which Listen, trail-off would you take? I'm going to be the same. The Nats might be awful. Uh, well, you're going to be miserable watching it, and so will it's we. It's true. I will be all kinds of pissy. That's yeah, like, definitely. Uh, 
That's that's my yeah. two cents. I just want them to get Donaldson because I don't care about the fourth year. I don't understand everybody's obsession. A, it's not my money. I don't care how much it costs the learners. Thank and you. B, if they're bad in four years, who cares about four years from now? Like, win right now. You don't know what's going to be going on in four years. We have right. no idea who's still going to be on the team and who's not. And, I mean, who cares? Like, if it's going to take four years, then make it four years. Just do it. That's a great Who point. Um, I saw Kai point this out. Like all these Nats fans, are like you can't give Donaldson four years. You'll pay him twenty-five million to thirty-seven. The Nats are going to be paying Corbin, Max, and Strauss right. over, 30, over thirty-five million at age thirty-seven up. Like it's not our money. Who cares? He yeah. makes the team Who better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before. If he gives you two good to great years in the first two years, you, you kind of just accept what happens in the, in the final two years. It's a costume yeah, it's business. Yeah, like he's going to be terrible. He'll just not be as good, most likely. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, put him at first. <laughs> yeah, or the DH, hopefully, yeah. when it comes. Um, so, like, yeah, it's a cost. It's a cost. I was, doing I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cost of doing business, and if it gives us a shot to repeat in 2020, then I'm all for it. Um, but to answer the second part of the question, if Donaldson signs elsewhere, which is just as likely of a possibility as the Nats are an uh, option right now, um, Bryant is definitely the main option. I would rather Aaron Otto for sure, um, but I don't see anyone trading for him. Um, but uh, for Bryant, I am. everyone's on the table. It just like depends. Obviously, if they're asking for Robles, then... I wouldn't go much past Robles, uh, and that would only be for two years of Bryant. Um, if they're off Robles and they want a package, then yeah, literally everyone's available. Keeboom, Rutledge, Crow, Crate, anyone. Um, yeah. But yes, our, our, our farm system sucks anyways. And like what people need to realize, especially it, this goes for the Donaldson argument too. Look at the Nats window. Or, or like realistic exactly. perceived window. Does Keeboom's like when he's impactful because he's not going to be a Soto like where he's impactful right away like look at Robles he isn't even at he was the better prospect coming up and he hasn't isn't nearly as good as Robles um or as a, a Soto um so look at Keyboom and these other prospects and look at the Nats window and see where they line up because you don't want a Kansas City like scenario where they have Whit Merrifield who's still one of the best at least hitters in baseball, but their team sucks while he's peaking and it just doesn't match up. So I, I'm all for matching up your prospects and your trades and your acquisitions to win your team's competitive, to give your team the best chance to win now. I don't care what happens in four years. And it's the same thing with the Donaldson thing. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter what happens in four years. It matters what happens in 2020. You also can't so, think that far. Like, you can't think that far. Right. No, everything changes in that much time. Yeah. And, and, you know, what, what's right. market value for guys changes in two or three years. Like, I just – but I will say that the whole idea of trading for a third baseman just pisses me off because it. why wouldn't you just not defer a bunch of money for Rendon and give the man what he wanted so that we well, don't have he to didn't trade want away to our – He wasn't going to resign here That's what I'm saying. But let's say if you could have given him what he wanted and you could have kept Rendon, doesn't that make more sense than – I mean, giving away your farm well, system yeah, for a guy? Yeah, but like, if know. a guy doesn't want to be here, you can't do anything about it. I, that may yeah. be the case, that it wound up that way, but I don't think it was always that way. And I well, I just don't understand true. why they couldn't have, I don't know. I don't know when things went south. Obviously, things did. But I, the whole idea to me of giving away what is already a meager farm system 
for a third baseman. I, I get it. But one of the best I, ones in I the just, game just pisses me off. I think just well, pay Donaldson so what he better. wants. Yeah, but just if you pay Donaldson what he wants, at least it's just money, and you're not also giving up a bunch just, of prospects, if which we don't have a lot to spare. If you're a uh, White Sox fan, okay, so you – no, I don't want to do White Sox. Uh, just so pick a random ace. Fan we'll anyway. do, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, this is true. Uh, if you're like a, an Angels fan or whatever, you have zero attachment to Bryant and Rendon. And let's say they both hit the market at the same time. Who would you rather have? The answer is Bryant. If, if you're if you're struggling, so like I was struggling. Like, I, I, get I don't it. know that that's as easy an answer, but <laughs> I it is because he's younger. He's He's proven he has defensive versatility. He's an elite defender, just like Rendon. Uh, and not that it's a knock to Rendon, but Bryant's clearly the answer there. Uh, and, and again, it's not a knock to Rendon. I just don't think it's much of a debate because Rendon just didn't want to be here. Like, he could have yeah, taken the route that's trusted. He, he didn't want to be here. So the, the point is, yeah, like, we could have given all this money to Rendon, but it, it wasn't really an option. So we have to think about like what a package would be like for Bryant because it's Bryant or Donaldson at this point or otherwise like we're just accepting mediocrity because our offense will not be that good. (laughs) Keep him season. I have a theory that if Donaldson wasn't on the Braves, Nats fans would be more excited to sign him. But the fact he's on the 100%. Braves, Nats fans like, yeah, but he was a douche. He wrote people Rizzo the wrong doesn't way. care what Nats fans think anyway. He does not oh, care. I I just, I'm just general. pointing out these yeah. re- Ridiculous things from the fan base. Yeah. Indeed. All right. So we only have one more, and it's a good one to end the show on. It is um, – oh, crap. I closed Twitter, and I didn't write down who sent it. So whoever sent what it, thank you. Um, <laughs> the question the is, what is your favorite Christmas song to each of us? So uh, what do you got? Um, oh, this is tough. There's a lot of classics. Like I like the Trans Siberian Orchestra song. Where it's like, but like also love me a good classic. The song it's like, like some Sinatra or like that one. Oh, baby, please come home. Wow, that's a good one. Love that song. Sorry, Christmas song. Go ahead, Ryan. Those are my three. Oh, yeah. so I don't know if it, I heard somewhere that the song was canceled, but it's still a good song. And I like the guy's voice in it. It's baby. It's cold outside. Don't know if it's That's canceled, a great song, but like the guy's voice is just, he hits that note and it's just That's like a fantastic song. All the people who hate it just piss me off. Like, right. And like, flirting for it, it, make, it makes up. me not want to go outside because it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I like that. So song. it's so effective as a song. Right. <laughs> And I mean, I, I'm also a big fan of "I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas." I mean, that one just gets you in, like a, a nice uh, holiday mood. Um, I, there's so you, so I mean, you definitely can go wrong, but there's so many options for this yeah. one. Yeah, for instance, if you mention anything that was done by Mariah Carey, you're wrong. Um, no, all I Want for Christmas is a classic. Oh, that is a terrible song. Worst you're Christmas song, song ever. Wow, that is so bad. Nope. I got. I am a firm no on all. All right. Well, what's your answer? Um, You're gonna pick be one, pick like Silent Night. No, or I'll just pick one. You? I'll pick one. It's Sleigh Ride. I love that song. That's my favorite. One. You know, well, I can't. I, I can't think of. I can't think of. The, it um, the, I'm sure I've heard it. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard it. Yeah, that one. That's yeah. the one. Oh. Uh, 
It's yeah. upbeat. Let's hear the yeah. sleigh bells jingling, ring ting tingling too. That one. Ah, that was lovely. Hey, thanks. You should be a singer. <laughs> yeah, maybe in another life. <laughs> anyway, oh, well, that's my number one. I love Christmas I, I, music. In my car, I play nothing but Christmas music from the day after Thanksgiving. My kids, oh, it drives God. them crazy. Right, I will thank play you. nothing thank but Christmas music. I, I was going to say, I hate the people that celebrate Christmas before Thanksgiving. That's all I'm going to say. No. Day after I, I, Christmas, day after Thanksgiving till the New Year's that's Day, fine. it is all Christmas that's music fine. all the time. I have to throw out another one because it's the same reason I like Baby It's Cold Outside. Blue Christmas, because I love me some Elvis. <laughs> I was Plus listening you to, to that in the car today and jamming out Blue, Blue, right. Blue Christmas. You, that's a great Because you, you can do the Elvis impersonation, and there's like oh, yeah. never a bad time for an Elvis impersonation. Also, like, anything never. by Michael Bublé. Yes. Mm -hmm. the man I like one. I, Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Or Nat right. King Cole. And on that harmony, oh. oh yeah, Nat King Cole's good. Happy Xmas, uh, the Yoko Ono and John Lynn song, classic. Only their version, though. Yeah, there's so many good ones, it's hard to pick. But that was a great question. That was a great question. So, to all of question. you listening, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, thank you happy guys Festivus. so much. It's been an um, happy Festivus. It's been an happy unbelievable holidays. year. And uh, I guess we will talk to you guys in 2020. Next decade. The next, next decade. Sort of. The next decade. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you guys got anything else before we go? No. Um, let's hope when All we right. return in 2020, we got a third baseman. Let's hope. All right. Thanks again for listening, everybody. You can find me on Twitter at awhite7877. You can find Nick and Ryan at DCNatJack and the show at Half Street High Heat. Have a great holiday, and we will see you guys on the flip side. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Go to Chili's. Later.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.